Welcome to Base Liberty, your source for politics. The government is way too big, way too intrusive, we are overtaxed. History. The right to self-defense is a natural, God-given right. The founders clearly understood this. Economics. We can't just keep printing off money, we can't just keep borrowing money. If you think this path is sustainable, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. And more. From a liberty perspective. I've got to disagree with you there. The income tax is clearly immoral because it assumes you don't own the fruit of your labor, the government. With your host, Darren Wisely. Deregulation and decentralization are the answers if we're ever going to get this thing back on track. We need to look to families, churches, and charities, not the state. Welcome to Base Liberty, Episode 8. What's going on? Darren Wisely here. Today is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. And sorry, it's been about a week since I've got an episode out. I've been out of town taking care of some different things. Thanks for bearing with me. While I was gone, I saw highlights from the Democratic National Convention. Now, I didn't watch the thing. I'd never watch that unless I uh, really needed a cure for my insomnia. But I did see some of the highlights. And one thing really struck a chord with me over and over. They kept saying, democracy, democracy, democracy. As if direct democracy is the form of government we have here in the United States. Then I was in this discussion and I've heard several people say to me, what do you mean we're not a democracy? And I realized, oh, a lot of people in the mainstream do think we're a democracy. Maybe not in the literal sense of the word, but they think it because they hear it over and over. Why is that? Because our education system, academia, and of course the media pushes this narrative that we're a democracy. And you know how it goes. You repeat the same lie over and over again. As I say, it eventually becomes the truth. All these institutions, which are heavily biased toward the left, push this narrative that we're a democracy and that democracy is great and this thing to be cherished. And spoiler, both of those things aren't true. The United States was never set up to be a direct democracy, and democracy really isn't all that great, even though you hear all the time that it's the best thing since sliced bread. So I'll explain both of those on today's episode. You will hear someone a lot of times in conservative circles hearing, we're a republic, not a democracy. And Technically, that is untrue because we are a democracy and a republic, but really our form of government is a federal republic. It's supposed to be a decentralized representative government. We do have elements of democracy, and unfortunately in the last century we've had too much of that, but we have elements of both a republican form of government and democracy. So I just want to get that caveat out of the way in case someone says, but we are a democracy. Yes, I know, but not in the way it's being pushed. And that's what I'm trying to get at. So let's get right into it. The founders knew that the purpose of government is to protect liberty, not democracy. And the founders never intended for a direct democracy. John Adams said democracy is tyranny of the majority. James Madison echoed this sentiment in Federalist 10. Alexander Hamilton was against democracy. Of course, he had his own problems. He wanted a king. Elbridge Gerry, former vice president and governor of Massachusetts, said that democracy was the worst of all political evils. 
1790, Thomas Jefferson defended Republican form of government as the best one, saying Republicanism is the only form of government that is not at secret or open war with mankind. I could go on about this, but you get a clear picture that the founding generation never intended for the United States to be a democracy. We are a republic. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of problems with democracy, as was touched on its tyranny of the majority, its mob rule, and you probably, to give you a picture of it, you've probably seen that meme on the internet with the Wizard of Oz characters sitting around a fire, and they are burning the straw man, and they said, well, this is what democracy, we voted on it. And that's the whole problem, is democracy is this idea, well, if 51% of the people think something's okay, then it must be okay. Well, that's not true, because the majority could be, vo could be voting and support an idea that is completely immoral, completely repugnant to liberty, that intrudes on the rights of the minority, even if it's only by 1%, and in a democratic system, oh, well, that's okay, we voted on. That's not okay, and that is why a democracy, especially a large-scale nationalized democracy like the United States is becoming, and a lot of other governments are, is actually really, really at odds with liberty. And if, if four people are stranded on a desert island, and they all vote on who they're going to eat, and they eat that person, is that somehow moral? Is that somehow cool? We voted on it. I mean... How's that any better than rolling dice, picking a number from a hat? I mean, it isn't. But the problem is society, and this goes into all these institutions that, especially these left-biased uh, ones, are pushing that democracy is so great. Hey, if enough people vote on it, it's somehow legitimate. It's somehow, okay, well, that's not true. Morals don't change just because people voted for that thing. Founders knew this. They, they knew about a lot of examples. Ancient Rome is a great example. Mob rule from a democracy. I mean, look at, look at the example of the story of Jesus Christ. The mob was what wanted him crucified. He was taken before Pilate. Pilate didn't see any wrong with him and his disciples. There were a few people in the minority that knew he'd done nothing to deserve this. But the mob, the overwhelming majority, crucify him and they had their chance to choose him. Or Barabbas to set free, who they knew was a felon, a murderer. They said free Barabbas, so that's what they did. So that's a great example in history of the mob, the majority ruling, getting their way, even though what they wanted was not right. The Salem witch trials in the late 17th century, another example. The mob, without due process, um, executing these people because, hey, majority of them thought that these people were witches or what they were doing was was not right, so the mob gets their way. Classic examples of direct democracy, tyranny of, the, tyranny of the majority, mob rule. Something that's interesting, going back to this concept of how democracy is not the best form of government to promote liberty, Virginia was one of the least democratic of all the original states they were far less democratic than South Carolina but Virginia had the by far the most liberty they were the bastion of liberty in the founding period it just shows there's not a direct correlation between democracy and liberty the Virginian John Randolph of Roanoke who's probably my favorite founding father I'll definitely do an episode on him at some point uh, because he was more Thomas Jefferson than Thomas Jefferson. And I like him so much because he is just so principled. 
but I won't I won't get into all that. But he gave a speech in 1829. He was he was speaking out against democracy, but he said it's like the people want the government to do everything for them all the time. People want government to do more and more. I think it's kind of funny to look at it in that light. Even in 1829, there were people seeing that this democratic process was just people trying to vote more things for themselves at the expense of other people and compare what life was like or what government was doing in 1829 to what it does today. You know, I mean, back then the government was, you know, so small that the founding generation, of course, wouldn't even recognize today's government. I mean, they'd want to go back to the King of England, <laughs> compared to what we have today in our empire, but that aside, people want free health care, free college, so uh, what John Randolph of Roanoke was saying about people wanting more and more, well, that just continued on with a landslide. I mean, that was nothing compared to what he was talking about, but I found that quote entertaining, and that's just another example of of democracy and what we're seeing today is that this majority of people you know a few people can be wealthy and successful but this majority of people can vote and say actually you know what we want your stuff give us one of your rolls royce we're gonna sell it off divide it between us hey we voted on it it's okay right and if you really want to look at a good counter to this idea of democracy john c calhoun he's another guy i'm gonna have to do an episode on because he was one of the last great philosopher statesmen in american history a great conservative incredibly brilliant talked about this idea of the concurrent majority and this is how a minority that's being oppressed could defend their rights defend their liberty and i won't that's something to look up uh if you're interested in that if you want to know someone who did support democracy Karl Marx. Now, Marx envisioned his communist utopia being a stateless or nearly stateless society, but one of his steps to getting there was through the democratic process. Marx said the first step in the revolution is to win the battle for democracy. This is one of the most important tasks of the militant proletariat. So what Marx is saying is, look, if we're going to get our government the way we want it, we need to get more people in to vote to kind of slowly uh, get toward their communist utopia. I think it's really interesting with that as a backlight why these Bernie bros, these democratic socialists say, well, we're not, we're not Marx, you know, we don't support this bloody violent communism like the USSR, Venezuela, place, you know, China, places like that. We're democratic socialists. It's more gentle, it's more friendly, it's more peaceful. Well, eat communist manifesto author is talking about democratic process to get to communism so you put the democratic in front of it that means nothing to me and anyone who really understands this stuff it's the same thing because the communism is to be achieved by the democratic process that's literally in their manuscript also interesting is the way in the 20th century democracy is seen as this ultimate good so toward the late 19th century, early 20th century, a lot of countries were doing away with their kings and democracy was seen as this ultimate good and that came here in the United States as well and Karl Marx has to be at least part of the influence with it. For instance, you look at Woodrow Wilson, he's always talking about democracy. We have to make the world safe for democracy is what he said because again, it's this ultimate good it's new religion that has to be spread around the world this gospel of democracy the 17th amendment 
was one of the final nail in the coffins to the United States having a true Republican form of government. Now, before, a lot of people don't know this, this isn't all these things, before 1913, U.S. senators were elected by state legislatures. So this served two different things, but kind of combined into one, but this was a federal, gave us this federal Republican system. So the House is the more, the U.S. House of Representatives is the more Democratic, they're directly elected by the people, that's what the founding generation had in mind, but they had in mind the senators to be more detached from the people so that they wouldn't be as influenced by this mob rule, and they would be elected by the state legislatures to kind of give them another step away from the whims of the people. And the second purpose it served was this also added another protection to federalism because these U.S. senators, if they didn't serve the interest of their state, they'd be voted out by their state legislatures. But now, because the U.S. senators are more or less just directly uh, held accountable by the people, now they're it's more nationalized. Now they're serving the interests of you know this one nation rather than their state. So by having the 17th Amendment, which, as Judge Knapp says, is the only part of the Constitution that is unconstitutional because it defies this federal republic that the United States was set up as, now you have basically this government that's more nationalized, more democratic, more whimsical, and that's why you've seen so the government go in such an awful direction throughout the 20th century. I mean, you have more taxes, more regulations, and the government basically doing whatever it wants because peop the government, the elected politicians are incentivized to do what the people voting them in want, and they're going to do what they have to do to get into power and to stay in power. And people are always wanting more stuff. It really goes to this, this idea of democracy being this ultimate good. It really goes to this leftist, this progressive. It really uh, came into being and gained widespread influence during this progressive era. As I said, this Wilsonian notion that democracy is incredible. And somehow if you vote, um, you know, everything's good. But I mean, at the end of the day, if your options are awful, what does voting do? kind of gives us false legitimacy to things the government is doing. Well, you voted for it. Now it's okay. You know, just like you go out, you go out places, get out and vote. Everyone's always saying, get out and vote. Well, what if these people voting aren't informed? What if the options they're voting for are awful? What if they're voting for something that's immoral? Oh, once again, oh, we voted for it. Now it's somehow moral. Not really. You see this in the neocons too. So I've done the episode on the neocons. Check that out if you want to know more about them. But you, when you hear a Republican or conservative talking about equality, talking about democracy, that's a neocon because those are ideas from the left. This idea that all men are created equal in a state of nature, in the way that we should be equal before the law, certainly that's true. But we're not all equal. I'm not as good at golf as Tiger Woods. You know, I don't know as much about space as Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, you can see right there, some people are better than others. We're not, we have different talents, different skills. We're not all equal. But this egalitarian notion doesn't promote liberty, it actually defies it. Because to make people all equal in all things, you have to take from some to give to others. In income, of course, it's theft. It's, we'll take from rich guy. Uh, give to a person who doesn't want to work or a person who just doesn't have the talent to become as wealthy. 
Um, that's why you have participation trophies. So it's this whole idea that equality is the end-all, be-all, tied with democracy. These things are all these progressive notions that spread throughout the 20th century, leaked into the right. You have the neocons pushing them. Of course, neocons want to spread democracy all over the world uh, just as much as the Wilsonian progressives. And this, of course, goes to the national popular vote. That is an agenda that's being pushed as of recent where in the presidential election, uh, a state will give all their electors to whichever candidate won the popular vote. So basically, that would mean, say if Michigan did it, Michigan's a purple state. They went Trump in 16, but mostly elections before that, they did go Democrat. If Michigan did this, then it wouldn't matter who won Michigan to whoever won the popular vote. Well, we know that the Democrat is more likely to win the popular vote. Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote in 2016. So if we use this, she'd be president right now. I mean, could you imagine how much we'd be shut down, how many wars we'd be in? That's besides the point. But this is exactly what the left wants because they're all about this direct democracy, because they know they have strongholds in California and New York, they determine every presidential election. So, national popular vote. I mean, if you have the words national and popular, those are two things that are completely an affront to this federal republic, and you see Republicans supporting it, because they're just as clueless, because they're just as uneducated, because they're neocons. They don't have those traditional conservative principles. I think I've really given you some ammunition, some tools to say both that the United States is not intended to be a direct democracy, especially a national direct democracy, as well as democracy ain't really all it's cut out to be. Uh, the Austrian economist and political theorist Hans Hermann Hoppe is actually on the far right of this beautiful painting Catherine did for me has a book, Democracy, The God That Failed. Pick it up, read it. You want to learn more. Um, it's awesome that people are willing to go after because, again, democracy is put up as literally this God. And you credit, you don't like democracy. You must be a fascist, you know? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Don't give in. Don't let them shame you. Arm yourself with the truth. That's what we're doing here on this show. And that's all we got. A couple housekeeping things for you. Now, again, you can watch this show on YouTube, if you want to see the video, see my ugly mug, uh, but you can listen on your way to work or whatever in the gym, clean the house, whatever you're doing. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and there's many others. If you like what we're doing here, like it, share it with your friends, subscribe. All those things will help us grow, help us keep doing this, get more content out than I've been doing recently. And the website. Uh, choosewisely.org, wisely, W-I-S-E-L-E-Y, is back up. And there is just going to kind of be a home for me of different things I've published, my podcasts. Uh, so you can stay informed with what we're doing here. And it's still a work in progress. It's not that great, especially on the mobile version. But if you ever want to just see what we've got out, what content we've had, that's your place, choosewisely.org. But hey, thanks for listening. And next episode will be very special. I'll have my first guest on. Sure to be a good one. Make sure to tune in. Hey, take care, and uh, we'll see you soon.